Welcome to Carrots and Suffering. I am Nate, your Dungeon Master, host, producer, probably other titles I could invent that sound even more fancy. Please leave us a rating and review wherever you found this podcast. Might I recommend one of the many quality podcatchers out there like iTunes or CastBox or Podchaser. Okay, let's get into our story. Last time on Carrots and Suffering. Our party came up with a plan to save Byron after his reputation was destroyed by a fetch. Let me recap it. Here's the plan. We begin spreading rumors that there was fairy presence around House Lunari over the last two weeks. Spottings. You cut your way into the thorns, you return, Byron comes out of hiding. Magically, we say that your party retrieved him from the fairy wilds after he was abducted. We then spread the full story and include in it that the church has found a foolproof way to detect fetches as a result of the attack that happened here yesterday. Agreed? Sable recruited her father, Mirkwood the Heartrender, fairy dealer of hearts, to her side with a journey into the thorns. We are going to the heart of this problem, to the castle. We are going to try to end the curse and set this land free. My heart feels fear when you say these words. Byron Mason proposes to Silpha for the probably second time, maybe third, and this time Silpha says yes. Silpha absolutely accepts said kiss and becomes a pile of mush. When she recovers from blushing madly, she says, then, then I accept. And she pulls out the chain with the ring and takes it off and puts it in his hand for him to put on her finger. He very nervously, his hands are a little shaky, slides it onto your finger. And he says, Silpha Lunari, you are going to make me the happiest man in this kingdom. Lynn and Jalen get to spend their first night together alone. Ooh, and our heroes gather the next morning to finally go to the palace and do the plot. Hi, I'm Nate, and I will be your dungeon master. I'm Sandra. I play Sable the Druid. I'm Mandy. I play Jalen the Rogue. I'm Julie. I play Sulfa the Wizard. I'm going to cut to the morning, folks. So, Sable, you can get up and leave. Yep. Are you heading just straight to House Lunari? Yeah. Well, I would head to wherever it is that we said that we would meet. I thought that was at the townhome. As a bird, you can quickly discern that they're not there and head out. Yeah, the House Lunari would be the second place that I would look, but I would first go to the townhome to see if Helena and Cass were there. Helena and Cass are there, actually. In fact, Helena's there, Cass is there, a hooded figure carrying a baby bassinet is there, (laughs) Yennefer Varathy is there, looking very much in charge, and then there's a couple of people from the Thorns who you recognize. I mean, you never really met them. There's about 12 people who emerged from the thorns that are waiting with them. Oh. Uh-oh. Wow. All right. Well, I land someplace where I can change back into Sable and come down, and this is surprising. Hello. There's a large group nod, and Helena steps forward and says, Well, we're about to do the stupidest thing anybody's done in 60 years. We're here for you, Sable. Sable nods quite sagely. She agrees. Yennefer says, I've left the house in the care of Lorelei. Permanently. Oh. She 
switches to Druidic and says, you know that she is a member of the Circle, yes? Yes. She is following in her mother's footsteps in every way. Perfect. And you, you accept this for the house? One of the things that I've recently remembered is what I was trying to do, and it had nothing to do with house politics. Sable gives a nod and says, in common, is that baby? <laughs> yeah, it does not say anything. You see Lorem flip his hood up and say, yeah, this is baby. <laughs> Lorem, were you planning to come with us? Were you going to stay for the other project? Lorem says, we're all in. This thing works or we all die. Let's do it. Okay. There's also one other coming. We need to wait for him. So we'll wait for Mirkwood. So a short man with just beautiful golden locks walks up very shortly after you say that around the corner. And he says in this surprisingly old sounding voice for someone who appears to be in their 40s, I have arrived, so there's no more waiting on me. Sable smiles and says, I believe that my friends will be at House Lunari. Shall we? And the group heads off. At House Lunari, the bell has been ringing probably every ten minutes. <laughs> As people have begun arriving, Jessica Evans combat boots her way to the front. Hi. Jessica says, hey, you didn't think I'd miss this, did you? I... You know, I wasn't sure if you were going to have slept it off in time, and I thought maybe it would be better to leave you to enjoy your new husband. Oh no, Cass, Cass sobers up first thing in the morning. <laughs> okay, well, you know, I, I, she just gives Jessica a big fat hug. Yeah, Jessica gives you a hug back and says, hey, I'm married now, you just hugged a married lady. I, I just hugged a married lady, I smooched her last night, but you probably don't remember that. I think I kind of remember that. Did I win or did you win? I totally won. Sorry. Oh, shit. And you see Iris give you this mischievous smirk. <laughs> Silpha will go up and give Jessica the the biggest, strongest bear hug that she can manage. The moth hug? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really insignificant compared to the hug you get back. <laughs> of course. Which is bone crushing. Which makes her go, erk! <laughs> but, and then she gasps, like, welcome to the family, Lady Jessica. <laughs> and then to Iris, she turns and looks at him and says, you know, your your courtship was such a whirlwind that I didn't get a chance to make it clear to you. But, well, if you ever treat the Lady Jessica as less than the queen that she is, well, I think you know you're going to get stabbed, possibly multiple times by multiple people. But if by some miracle you do not die from being stabbed, don't let me find you because I'll make you wish that you had. <laughs> and then she gives him a huge smile. Iris says, I love you too, Silpha. <laughs> House Varathi's entourage arrives and the bell's ringing and you are all on the scene together with a small army. Yep. Jalen walks up to Sable and throws her arms around her and doesn't even care about the skin and says... Sable goes, Jalen, 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 I don't want to hurt you. Yeah, too late. She whispers <laughs> in her ear, she says, it would be really nice if there was never a third chapter of finding you alive after thinking you're dead. Point taken. But she still makes sure to look carefully and is checking you over to make sure that you didn't touch her skin accidentally. Some other people said they were coming. Yeah, us, us too. 
not part of the plan, but I, you know, how do you tell 40 people no? Mm -hmm. So Thomas Drury rings the bell down on the other end. (laughs) And he comes up with four house Drury champions and says, Hey, my parents don't know I'm here, but you know what? Fuck it. Let's go. Thomas, I could kiss you. (laughs) Silpha's like, Thomas, wizard's handshake, and does a fist bump. (laughs) It's a high five, low five, fist bump, and at at each stage, sparkles come off of her hand. Yeah, Thomas can do sparkles. He's good with sparkles. She says, please allow me to introduce everyone to my father. Oh, what? And she gestures to Mirkwood. Mirkwood, who looks about 41, I guess he could, yeah, he it, it would check out if he had a sable when he was 20 or so. Just does a little short bow and says, the name's Mirkwood, at your service. Holy shit. Where did you find him? In the thorns. Jalen puts out her hand and says, it's, it's an honor to meet you. He extends his hand and gingerly shakes yours. It's rough. Like his skin looks normal, but it feels rough. Wow, Sable. Mm-hmm. Yennefer insisted on coming. Lorelai is now watching over the house. For good. Okay. And and these others, I suppose, came from the thorns, yes? There's just a lot of nodding. Hanzo turns around and says, Heartrender! And <laughs> Mirkwood says, Hanzo. Sable rolls her eyes. Hanzo gives him this gigantic hug, and he's really awkward about it. Tree stiff as he gets a hug, and Hanzo turns around and says, I love this guy. Yeah. Caitlin looks at Sable and mouths, Heartrender? Just does this. (laughs) It'd be nice if you'd call him by his name to Hanzo. Oh, okay, yeah. Come on, Murky, let's get this done. (laughs) Oh, God. This is the dad joke expedition. (laughs) Sable is fairly bouncing to get into the thorns. She is ready. Miev stands up and says, Well, everyone, it is time to begin this expedition. At this stage, I would like to say that this would not be remotely possible without the assistance of three people. And she gestures her hands out and says, Jalen Evans? Your assistance has been invaluable. Literally cannot put a price on it. Thank you, lady. Uh, Silpha, Lunari, without your magical expertise, I think this would be physically impossible. And Sable, without your knowledge of the wilderness and the dangers we face, this would be suicide. Excellent. Thanks. Let's go. And with that in mind, the three of you are in charge. Lead on. What direction are we starting? We're heading for the quarry, right? I will get Muriel. And so she proceeds to go to the clearing that Muriel has made for herself and has Muriel advance out of the thorns, walking alongside her. Yeah, Muriel just marches out of the thorns, not even bothering to cut them down on the path to you, and then says, I was so hopeful you would return, and you did. Oh, this is going to be great. We're to do such great things together. You are bringing a lot of hope to a lot of people, Muriel. That is my duty. And this giant nine-foot-tall robot with cannons for upper arms and two lower arms carrying a massive scythe walks out. 
And everybody just sort of stares at it. And then Hanzo says, well, that's cool. <laughs> Silpha says, let's show them what's possible, Muriel. And we set off towards the quarry. Just so you know, Nate, Sable's going to be staying ahead and scouting to make sure that we can keep Muriel on track if we need to go a different direction, that sort of thing. So Yennefer strides out in front and says, I can scout, and turns into a massive fire elemental. <laughs> Which gets a big old smile from Sable. And just burns through the brush as she starts to walk. Muriel follows along behind, essentially creating a 15-foot wide path. Their allies came from around the kingdom. They're here for many reasons, but they're united by the bonds they forged with our heroes. Our heroes who began as three little maids from school. Their power has grown. And in just these short months, they have already changed the shape of the whole kingdom. Together, this army will cut through the walls of their prison, held together by an absolute faith that their leaders are worthy. Some, like Lin Pornino, are here for love. But most are here for something different. Primal desire to be free and a belief that their chance has come. In the form of Sable, Silpha, and Jalen. House Lunari is on the march. A dozen men-at-arms and a dozen thorns-cutters, each holding a sapling tree grown by Cora Lunari. The line of men and women would be considered base by the nobles. But they make an imposing line. Claws, teeth, snakeskin, and mounds of muscle march, not in time or in order, but in confidence. Each has faced down the thorns and the beasts that come from it, and all have emerged more powerful than before. House Varathi is on the march. Their arch-druid, her heart returned to her, now a force of nature. She turns her body to living flame and walks fearlessly among the thorns. Her ally, or rather her crafted creature, a twisted fetch named Baby, leaps from her arms and hits the earth like a drop disappearing in the wave. It surges through the soil as it touches the roots of trees and shrubs. The plants come alive, striding out of the path of our little army as the thorns wither in the sustained onslaught of Yennefer's flame. Cass and Helena walk calmly, all feline claws and agility. Reunited, the sisters are not fearless, but they trust each other and this gives them a resolution that bolsters all around them. House Evans is on the march. The house never travels in number. Their training is best alone. Their movements are silent, their eyes scanning the lines as they walk through the charred remains of thorns. Expertly trained hunters, secretly trained thieves, they're resourceful and have an edge that tells everyone their moments from unrestrained violence the point made clear by the tips of their silver knives. Leading this small pack is Iris Lunari. His purple hair matches his bravado, and his rapier sits calmly at his side. Leading Iris Lunari is his muse, his queen and the love of his life, Jessica Evans. Expertly trained in the art of the kill, brave and violent to a fault. Her turmoil is nothing short of glorious, and he would follow her anywhere. House Drury is here in spirit, and Thomas is that spirit. Thomas is truly a gentle creature, whose love of children and small animals is well known. He brought his family's best herbalists together, and they form a support unit, circulating antitoxin and waiting in the wings to provide bandages and that touch of compassion. 
Next to Thomas marches Meg Mason and her father, Lord Mason. These two Masons know they're here because they are expendable in the family. Meg's ability to get lost in hedge mazes and find secret doors is perhaps nothing short of miraculous. But these are useless skills in this era. Lord Mason is a businessman, but not as good as his son. They're a show of support, and they know it. They stand with the Drurys in hopes of staying far from the fight. But Meg sees something in Thomas she hopes to learn more about, and catches herself eyeing him from time to time. The fairies are here, because in Fenrir, the fairies are everywhere. But they all have their mission. Dozens of pixies hover silently above, watching the people as they march. They are impressed, they are hopeful, and they find the humans fascinating. Below is Hanzo Lunari, Lord of Summer Breeze, and Mirkwood, the Heartrender, visiting Dignitary of Winter. Their auras of hot and cold add fury to Silpha's golem, Muriel, piloted by the fairy spirit of hope. Muriel's ice and fire cannons level thorns, and her scything blade sweeps their charred and withered remains aside. Scrix, the fairy spirit of knowledge, sits quietly on Silpha's shoulder. He wonders if anyone else has seen Elamis. Silpha's fairy suitor and his big cats hiding in the thorns, following at a distance. They have not, a fact that makes the little cat purr to himself with superiority. House Miev is here. Lady Miev, the kingdom's soon-to-be second most powerful wizard, follows behind her apprentice Silpha, and marvels at Silpha's keen intellect. Behind her is her half-brother Riley, a champion fighter, and his wife Carolina the Denmother, a druid of the farmlands around Fenrir, and a shepherd to sheep and people alike. If this group perishes, their house is doomed. But they're not interested in a legacy held in a cage. They march not for themselves, but for everyone. From the moment they set their plan in motion, this march was always the goal. They will fix this kingdom, or they will die trying. It's actually a pleasurable walk, almost. <laughs> There's so much noise and firepower. You hear giant beasts fleeing the area. At one point, you get a glimpse of what you're pretty sure is a tiger the size of a cottage that just decides that you are not worth messing around with. <laughs> too many people, too much noise, too much destruction. And you make great time, basically about six hours of just a leisurely stroll, and you arrive at a quarry we don't have to play it out but as we go i will use that cover to be able to tell silpha and jalen about what i saw at the castle that there's the maze and that there's things in the maze and every now and then something appears and steals them about the light of the full moon being literally just everywhere in the castle potentially outside of the castle as well those things that i saw i, I, I will make sure that they're aware of jalen will say you didn't happen to see kylan I did not. But I did not stay long. So it's overrun with lycanthropes, trapped in a perpetual moonbeam? Yes. Hmm. Jayla says, what could cause that? Is that a spell? or? Oh, no, this is... Or, or is it one of those ball things we found in the crypt that was casting darkness? This is in the walls. This is permeating. It is tremendous power. Silpha, roll me arcana. I will. Oh, well. 21. There is only one or two things that could be doing this. In order to have something last this long, it has to be a magical item, not a spell. Mm. 
in order to have it permeate through the inside, it has to be attached to the building somehow. So some item is enchanting the building. Probably couldn't dispel it. You think some incredibly powerful creature must have put this together. Only two things come to mind that are in this area and not walking gods that would have this kind of power. One of them, you're guessing, was the vampire lord you killed in his sleep. And the other one would be the fairy queen herself. So Sofa will explain that to her friends. So it could be like one of those balls we found in the crypt that was perpetual darkness. Yes, but perpetual moonlight, and it would take incredible power to create an object such as that. Maybe even the fairy queen herself. So I know we're well on our way, and we're going to reach the quarry in record time, and possibly the castle after that. Do we want to come at the castle from this direction? You're saying there's a maze outside, Sable? Mm -hmm. And people are stuck in it, and the werewolves are running rampant through it? Do we want to approach? There are people in the maze? There are creatures in the maze that are shifters that have lost themselves to the thorns. They're wearing bits of armor and wielding weapons. And the, instead of a moat, it has a giant hedge maze of hedges and stone. The Guire book actually tells you how to get through the maze and tells you about a back way into the castle. And we can just burn our way through the maze. Well, there are some stone walls, but yes. So the back way to the castle might come into, into use. Silpha also wanted to mention when Guire talked about what happened the night the thorns came up, he mentioned a huge winged creature departing the castle. Yeah. Mm. Could that not have been one of the things that we destroyed? I mean, that's possible too. Or is that Leslie's arch sage? What? I'm pretty sure the Lord Mason that we killed had been in his coffin long before the thorns came up. The tree piercing his coffin and drawing on his blood, I think, is what broke the deal that caused the thorns to come up. He was already there. Whatever left the castle that Guire is talking about was something else. And the only other thing I can think of is this archsage that Leslie's talking about. Why the archsage? I don't know, because who else would it be? Well, we know he's out there. We know he's outside the thorns if he fled the castle that day. We know he's something powerful. Isn't he like a thousand years old or something? Leslie did say the Archsage was incredibly old, but supposedly they left the Mason line over blood magic and would have left this kingdom and departed it far before this occurred. And nonetheless, it left the castle. It didn't show up to the castle. Not that they saw. It was just seen leaving. But I don't think that was the Lord Mason we killed. I think the Lord Mason we killed was already under the ground under the tree. Well, what I mean is that does it matter? It is something that left the castle, and therefore we're not going to find it there. Right. My thought was, perhaps we should, if it becomes possible in the future, we should scout out where such an object might have been left. And so we scout around the castle before we go in. Yes. Well, we have plenty to help us with that. And I think the back way in the castle is sounding a little more promising, given what we're hearing about the front. We need to figure out how many people are actually coming with us to the castle and how many are staying and what our approach is going to be. Well, I think it should be a smaller group, maybe just us that approaches the castle, or us and she nods in the direction of Lynn and some others. Otherwise, with all these people, that would be quite a great deal of liability. Well, let's get to the quarry. So you break into the area around the quarry. Cheers! Woo! 
The quarry is a massive stone hole in the ground. It's just, it's a huge area where stone has been excavated. The thorns don't grow into it very well. And so it's just this massive scar in the middle of the surrounding wall of vegetation. And the thing you notice when you first get here is it's designed so that you could walk up a ramp. So think of it as just this massive long ramp that goes like a a square set of stairs down into the ground. And you can see when you walk up, truly horrendously large ants. Ants the size of horses with wild, extra bony carapace, huge claws or massive fist mitts on their front. They're disturbingly big. Great. I'm surprised it wasn't mason bees. But they don't seem to recognize you as food. But when you get up there just to be on the safe side, Yennefer comes out of her fire elemental form and says, well, we'll just block them in for now, hmm? Hmm. We can deal pest control later. And she snaps her fingers and bits of rock tear off the side of the wall and roll down in, plugging up this central space where the ants seem to be coming out of. Perfect. Woo! And Lord Mason says, well, I think this is where we part ways. I'm sending you my, well, my maze master. Meg? Oh my. You're up. And Meg nods and steps forward and says, yeah, I can, I can definitely get you through the labyrinth, and I've studied the old blueprints, so probably through the house as well, and the castle itself proper. Oh, that's wonderful. There's a few things that we should tell you, then. But before we do that, we should figure out who is coming with us and who is staying. I start with Yennefer. Yennefer, your plan? My plan is as contingent on you reclaiming the castle as your plan is, so I'm with you. Good. And that means Lorem is coming as well. Perfect. The 12 Lunari champions, Bo steps forward and says, All right, we're here with the Thorns Cutters to secure the line back and forth between House Lunari and the quarry, so we're out. Helena and Cass say, We're with you, folks. Hanzo and Mirkwood just nod. Lynn says, Yeah, yeah, we're definitely with you. And Thomas says, We're kind of hoping to be like medics, maybe, but we'll be in the back, but we'll, we'll follow you. Jessica and Iris... They're they're not staying behind. <laughs> Jessica and Iris just look at you like bewildered. Like I'm I'm sorry. What are you suggesting? I don't understand. Is Iris armed or is he just Iris? He's got a rapier. Okay. <laughs> Riley and Miev. Riley and Miev nod. Oh yeah, we're we're here to go all the way. Jalen's going to suggest we need to convene before we move on and cover some ground with everybody who's coming with us. We have additional information. Sable did some scouting on her own. It's very important everyone understand exactly what kind of danger we're going into. Yep, and so I'll collect everyone together and I'll fill them in on the fact that there are those shifters in the maze that could be dangerous, could be not. It does seem like there are lycanthropes who appear in ways that I don't understand, just suddenly there and then not, who take them from time to time, potentially as food. And there are a great number of lycanthropes inside, unable to shift back to their human forms, likely maddened in hunger. So I'll tell them that when anything else that I saw, Nate, if you could help me remember. I mean, you know that the the house is a maze. Yeah, I got lost in the house. It's going to be a bitch to keep people together when you, if you actually take the inside. 
And the only other thing you noticed is that the front door had this big glyph on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll I'll share that too. And there is a a magical glyph on the front door. I, I do not know what it does. Do you remember it? Could you draw it? Maybe. Roll me an intelligence roll. Well, I rolled an 18, which is not bad. So 21. Nice. Okay. Yeah, so you, you reproduce it. Silpha, give me Arcana. Okay. DC is only 11. Let's see if you can not roll there a 1. There was like an arrow here and like a star there. <laughs> well, that's, and... that's good because I rolled a 5, but my Arcana is plus 8, so it's a 13. <laughs> 13. Yeah, so this is a arcane lock. It looks like something has made it permanent, your guess, for it to still be there. But yeah, that door is magically closed. Jalen is going to chime in with, I know we're dealing with lycanthropes, and they're not going to give two shits about us, but they are people under there. One of them might be the king. One of them is probably the king. One of them is probably Kylan Evans. One of them is this Drossel that we need to talk to. She's straight. She's sort of keeping her cool on her face, but I think she's probably going through some shades of skin tones. And she says, if you come across one who only has one good eye, that is likely Kylan Evans. Please don't kill him. It's time for fairy facts. Sylphs are like gnomes in that they were originally elementals dreamt up by the doctor Paracelsus during the Renaissance. The good doctor gave chemistry to Western medicine because, of course, the elemental spirits were attacking our bodies and needed to be fended off by the various vegetations and herbs. At the time, these creatures were an amalgamation of air creatures from various Western mythologies, and like the gnomes, they were invisible creatures of their element, in this case air, who lacked souls and died if they were exposed to other elements. Over time, the sylph was adopted into fairy lore, perhaps not as aggressively as the gnome. Both creatures are mortal, living out a human-like lifespan, having to eat and drink, etc., and like most fairy creatures, have the power to turn invisible. Sylphs are nearly always considered graceful and intelligent compared to other elemental spirits, and so they take on more majestic and artistic vibes. They're nearly always described as skinny, beautiful women with fairy wings, and are featured in plays and ballets as such. Like gnomes... Sylphs can gain a soul if they marry a human, and can be defeated if surrounded by elements not their own. Also, like gnomes, they aren't really destructive, they're generally benevolent guardians, meaning that they aren't really a creature to be defended against. Okay, let's get back into it. We'll need to scout the outside of the building. There is something enchanting it. And it would be good for us to find that object so that we can disable it. Yeah, Sable described a persistent moonlight effect, which would mean possibly anyone who was bitten and contracted lycanthropy would immediately change and be trapped in that state. It would be good to release them. It would make our work much easier. Agreed. But it makes fighting them harder because we'd like not to kill them. The Evans champions say, well, I guess we brought silver knives. I might be able to, depending on where they are, it's possible some of them could be blocked in with magic circles. I guess we just need to get more of the lay of the land before we make a decision. I think that's wise. We could fly together when we get closer. Jalen smirks when they mention the silver knives, and she says, did you bring the family silver? They nod. So we scout first. How close do we want Muriel to get before we stop with her? Because she makes a lot of noise. 
They're going to know that we are coming. I don't think that there is any way to hide that. Not with this kind of entourage. I think before we enter the maze. And then we handle what needs to be handled. Take a look around the area before we go in. Sable, you've got that spell where we can be super duper extra special stealthy, right? I do. I don't know if it could cover this entire crowd. No, but if we could send a few of us in mm -hmm. under cover of that. And we have enough parties that we could split and look around the perimeter. We can split the mega parties. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, well, this is as good a plan as any as I think we can come up with at this point. Then let's head that direction. I say we have no time to waste. When I get an opportunity in the noise and everything, I will go back to Mirkwood. And I will say, I want a way into the Fey. Is there one at the castle? It's just outside of the castle. Will we be able to use it? If you have the keys, you'll be able to use it. Do we have the keys? We have three of them. Three of the five. Yeah, one of our goals in going to the castle is to find the final key. Are, are we in earshot or are you having this conversation with me? I'm having it quietly. Because I had an idea about that. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm not sharing that yet. I'll say you can't go in on your own. Hmm. I do not possess enough power to simply tear the veil and cross through. You would need a dryad for that. Okay. Oh, are you using your lantern? I guess it would be lit up no matter what, because we've got... Yeah, I have my lantern, but I think it's just lit. <laughs> it's just lit all the time, because there's so many fairies around. We've got a fetch, we've got fey, we've got shifters we probably just beyond the thorn line. Probably see, like, a cloud of pixies above us. Yeah, if we see a cloud of pixies above, I'll look up at them, and I'll say, I have honey for the first pixie that can bring a message to Whistles. A pixie becomes visible as it comes into the light. They seem to be specifically staying exactly 30 feet away. Yeah. But it'll drift down and take some honey. Okay. Yep. I give a little bit of honey from my back and I say, can you ask him to bring the, the oracular device? He'll know what I mean. It nods and says, okay. And away it goes. You can cut your way successfully. Again, nothing really messes with you. There are some soft patches in the earth that you avoid, mostly because of the burning fire elemental and the trees shifting. And you arrive just before nightfall at the front part of the castle. There's a hedge maze that seems to have an opening, and you can see towering above it in the distance on the other side of the hedge maze is the castle. It's three levels. It's got some towers that are probably four or five levels. There's a lot going on there. Oh, boy. The castle itself, the stone is in impeccable shape, but vines have grown up and have shattered through the windows. The roof is a disaster zone. There's huge gaping holes in it. But other than that, it's eerily quiet, and you can hear rustling coming from inside the labyrinth. This is where we go around the back. We scout first, yes? Yep. Yes. So I think we need to break the groups to do a perimeter around the castle, which means that we, we actually need a path they can take. Let's see, how many of us do we have that can actually go in the thorns? There's me, there's Helena, there's Cass. Yennefer probably can. Yennefer can as a fire elemental. Mirkwood? Mirkwood can. Hanzo could. Yeah. Hanzo? Hanzo also can. Anybody else? Lorem Ipsum could. And Lorem can as well. Yeah, so it's got to be us doing the looking the other people can come as protection but well it's got to be us i mean we've got to do the scouting 
Did Sylpha want to cast fly on Jalen and Sylpha and we take up to the air? I think so, yeah. Can, can she do it twice? I can just use it as a fourth level spell, and so that would bring Jalen and Sylpha into the air for ten minutes. And then what Sable and the rest of them can do can split into small groups and work their way through the thorns around the edges to look for anything that might be enchanting that and have the rest of the people really make a pretty solid camp someplace that we can work out of if we have to go back and forth over more than one day. Yeah, I was thinking a really solid camp is a great idea. And then I was thinking we would scout from the air first, just so that nobody has to get split up in the thorns and we don't wouldn't have any liabilities with people getting possibly lost or injured out there. Yeah. Well, the main thing is if we're looking for some sort of enchanted item, we're probably going to need to look at the ground too, unless you happen to find it up on the roof. Well, we could also look at the lay of the land from overhead before you head into the thorns. That makes sense. I mean, between the three of us, if y'all look and I look, my look from last night, we'd probably get a good idea of the lay land. Oh, I was going to say, I don't think I can, I'm not sure if I can cast Detect Magic and Fly at the same time, but I had a thought to do that. They're both concentration. I'm not sure about Detect Magic, so I have to look it up. I believe Detect Magic is Concentration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so is Fly, so... Can't do them both. Yeah, it's Concentration. I cannot do that. Sable might be able to, though, cast it and then fly mm-hmm. as a bird or something. Yeah, I can. Absolutely. But it's up to you. Well, that was kind of my intention once we broke people up, but yeah, I mean, I could go now. Certainly. I'll say, alright, I will cast Detect Magic, which... I don't remember what level spell that is. It's first level spell. And the first thing you note is that every stone surface is magic and giving off extremely powerful magic. Great. So whatever is causing this has spread itself through the walls. Yep. Well, you'll see me blink. (laughs) (laughs) Do this and say, I'll see if it works. Back in a few. Are y'all coming? Yeah, I'd like to come take a look too. And Jalen is going to, she's going to get naked for the flight so that she can be camouflaged while she's flying. (laughs) Sylpha's not going to be camouflaged at all. (laughs) No, she's not going to be camouflaged at all, but Jalen would like to camouflage herself while she's flying. Nate, I'm going to turn into something with the best eyesight that I can think of, which would likely be an eagle. Okay, eagle will do. If you turn into a giant eagle, someone can ride you. Can I turn into a massive one? Yes. Yes. Good. So your party makes camp just outside of the labyrinth, and you will scout. So you can take off and fly up over the top of the roof and get a good look in the daylight. You can roll me perception with advantage in eagle form. Everybody else who is flying can roll me perception regular, except for Silva. Actually, it is getting dark at this juncture, so... (laughs) Can Jalen borrow the transmutation stone? Yeah. She was, can I see your nightlight stone? I got a 16, which will come to 21. Sylpha hands off her <laughs> transmuted stone to Jalen, who has to hold it and can't do anything. Yeah, so Jalen's holding the stone in one hand. She's got a crossbow in the other hand, and she's flying around up there. There's just, I'm just imagining there's a hovering crossbow. Yeah, pretty much. And you can't see anything yeah. else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got, I got a 19. Okay. Oh, I got just a 13. Okay, you loop around the building. There are several entryways through the roof. There are four towers and a central bell tower over something that looks like it might be a chapel. 
other than that, there's an open air space that is called a dovecotes. It's where doves were kept as chickens are kept today. So you can find the dove chicken area and land there too if you so chose. Because you can follow Guire's instructions, you know where the secret entrance into the castle is. So if you wanted to start down on the first floor, you could also take the secret passage from the back of the labyrinth. Other things you note is that as you're flying over, you can occasionally see through the holes in the roof, just wreckage and bones. Yikes. I am specifically looking outside just for anything that looks like more magical than some of the other places or looks like something that has been embedded in the walls. Yeah. So with your 21, you think that there's stronger moonlight visible through the holes near the bell tower. Okay. But that's it. She's also looking for anything that looks like it might be like a, I don't know, an archway or something that might lead in, or a gate that might lead to the Fey. Oh, yeah. From your height, you can see it. There is a clearing with no thorns around it in a 50-foot radius. And in the middle of it, there's, looks like a small camp of people and a large stone archway and a stone platform. Lots of little mushrooms and flowers. There are people there? Yeah. Oh, they must be... Do they look familiar to me? No. We were told... I believe this this came up in Sable's conversation with Cass. This is all out of character. Cass had told Sable that people would gather near the gate because time didn't move there. Hmm. And oh. so it was a way of staying alive, not getting consumed by time. So if there's a group camped out there, they have been there for a long time. Jalen would like to do two things. One is she'd like to fly high enough to try to see how far the thorns go, period, if she can see from here. And mm -hmm. the other thing, she's going to go check out the people around the gate. Roll me a con saving throw. Oh, shit. That is a 12. 12. The air gets too thin. Oh. You're flying up, and you can see for a couple miles, it's thorns everywhere. You think if you could go a little higher, you could probably get a much better viewpoint, but you're, you are having trouble breathing. You are about to pass out. Okay. If she starts to feel like she's going to pass out, she's going to stop going up. <laughs> yeah. You do not see the end of the thorns. And then she's going to check out the gate area. She's going to fly above the gate area and check out the people there. Yeah, so if you take a look at the gate area, there's about six people who have created a little camp. You can tell they seem to have been eating the mushrooms in the grass. Are they hiding um. all of the great time? <laughs> Their pupils are completely blown. <laughs> they're, just, they're just having a faith journey. <laughs> mm -hmm. They look sweaty and dirty like they've been here for a week. But yeah, they're in decent shape. They look a little cold. Is this an area that the party could get to, like if Muriel cut the way to them? Oh yeah, it's not far. And the other thing you noted as you were flying over is there are five pedestals in front of the archway, and there is a stone hammer on one of them. Oh. And mm. the other, other ones are empty. Okay, well. So we just need one more key. Is this something she could swoop in and grab? <laughs> no, it's already yeah. where uh, it's supposed to be. It's already where it's supposed to be. Yeah, you're right. She, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because we, we have the top, the eye, the crown, and the crown. And so that's the hammer, and I think there's a key. there's one that looks the like key. a key, right? Yeah. yeah. That's the last mm -hmm. one we need to get. Okay. All right. With that, she'll go back to camp. I'm going to spend a little time, because I can, 
yeah, we only get 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I also wanted to see how far the thorns reached, if I could. In eagle form, you have advantage on your con save to go very high. Well, let's see if I can roll something decent. That's not decent. A 2 is not good. Uh, a 19 is good, though. Yep. So okay. that would be a 22. You get pretty high up. Roll me nature. Nature. Gosh, so many rolls. A true! A two! <laughs> With my nature, that's an eight! So, you've never been this high up, which means it's really hard for you to estimate distance. You can see the end of the thorns. And beyond it, there appears to be some source of light. It's getting pretty dark at this juncture. But you can definitely see there's an end of the thorns and civilization beyond. Yeah. It's a long flight over treacherous area, but you don't know how far it is in miles because your your math's not that good. I don't see anything that specifically looks like the thorns spring out of this particular area, do I? No. Dang. Okay. Yeah, so I'll be gone a little bit longer if they want to do something before I come back. I don't know. Well, does Silpha check out anything in particular while she flies? Silpha didn't get a great perception check, so Silpha got, had got a 13, so I think Silpha gets a basic lay of the land. Mm -hmm. If it looks safe to land on the bell tower for a moment, she might. Yeah, you can land on the bell tower. Below the bell is more stonework, so it's all stable. The rope has rotted away from the bell that used to ring the bell, mm -hmm. but the bell still looks in pretty good shape. The vines don't quite reach up this high. The pews have been mostly destroyed. There's still an altar and this large pipe organ, but this is the chapel in the center. And you can see down into it, there's some furry forms sleeping in the rubble. Yeah, definitely don't want to go down there. Roll me Perception or Arcana or Investigate. Oh, let's see. Well, Arcana would be the best thing for me to choose, because I All have right, try it. to that. Oh, next. 18. The moonlight is strongest here. The orb is probably in the chapel somewhere. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good information to have. I shouldn't say the orb. Damn it, I gave uh, it away. Well, we did, the we source, did make a guess the at source, that. So. Okay. Yeah. The source is in the chapel. So Silpha will guess that the item is probably in there. Yeah. Sable will second that. Mm -hmm. With that information, I think Silpha is satisfied and will fly back down to the where our camp was established. She's exhilarated to be yep. flying around. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jalen gets down kind of flush and hurriedly puts her clothes on because it's fucking cold out here. <laughs> so as you all land in camp, night has fallen and you hear the loudest hoot from an owl you have ever heard in your life. When a loud guttural hoot of a massive owl rings out across the area, and you hear instantaneously a, a shuffling that seems to come from everywhere at once as all prey animals in the thorns flee. And this creates a stampede. So surging out of the thorn wall from the edges of your camp come many critters. Some of them are rabbits the size of dogs, some of them are deer that have been mutated into something more akin to an elk, towering over the top of even horses, and they are running for their lives, which puts your entire camp between a surging wall of beasts and the literal wall of thorns. 
So this first thing we're going to do before any owl actually shows up is a skill challenge. Oh boy. How are you going to defend your camp from the monsters? And where is Muriel and what is she doing? So Muriel is probably at the center of the massive clearing that she has made for your camp. So she's just sitting motionless. <laughs> I'd say we get her to scare off the stampede with more fire and ice. Yeah, just blasting fire and steam. If she starts blasting it around, the animals might just change course. Muriel mm -hmm. mm -hmm. can be convinced, but how I'm going to represent this, because Muriel's not a hero and you all are, someone roll their intimidate roll to essentially represent this skill check. It makes the most sense for it to be Silpha, since you have the command amulet. Mm -hmm. Oof. I rolled a four, so with my... That's charisma, so that would be a plus two. It's a six. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. This is where things get dangerous. So inside your camp, there are now four House Evans champions, plus our critter. Gosh, what is his name? Laurel. So five. He's a critter. What? <laughs> we got Champion Helena. We got Cass. We got Jennifer Varathy, Lorem Ipsum, Baby, Hanzo, Merkwood, Meg, Muriel, Lynn, Thomas. Four people from House Drury that you've not really met. Bastard Riley, Carolina, and Lady Miev. So I believe, if my count is correct, Jessica and Iris. Oh, Jessica and Iris. So we're at what is that? Twenty-five. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, luckily, your first failure is fine, because what happens is Lorem Ipsum shows his power for the first time. Muriel fires fire and ice cannons into the air, and a massive elk charges her. Lorem Ipsum pulls his hood back, and his face unfolds. It was a whole head, but you see it just tear itself apart into tentacles, extend in all directions, pick this elk off the ground, and effortlessly crush it into a ball. Glad that thing's on our side. Lorem Ipsum has been used for this round, so he cannot do that again. Next person, how are you going to prevent... Are we doing initiative rolls on this, or are we... Nope, we're going to go around the table, and you're going to tell me what your character slash their assets do to not get blasted into the thorns or trampled to death. Okay, I think I know what Jalen's going to do. Then go ahead. Okay, she's actually going to <laughs> acrobatically just get up on top of Muriel's shoulders because she figures if Muriel gets destroyed, we're fucked. So she is going to get up on top of Muriel's shoulders where she has a vantage point and she's going to try to shoot anything that comes too close to Muriel. Okay, you can either represent this with an attack roll or you can represent this with a agility check, a acrobatics check. Well... Shooting with the crossbows gives me a higher bonus than the acrobatics, so if, if it's okay, I'll do that. Make a shot. That is an 18. 18 is a success. Something is charging towards Muriel. It looks like a porcupine beaver thing, but big. And you shoot it, and in a uh, spray of porcupine needles, it turns and runs the other direction and you save it from charging directly into Muriel. Sandra, that leaves Sable. Sable is currently a giant eagle, which everybody in the group would have seen her go off as that. So she is going to try to intimidate, scare the prey animals back into the thorns. Okay. Handle animal would be appropriate for this, I think, or intimidate. Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. You puff up to scare them, and 
several of the smaller creatures do turn to dart out of the way. I need you to roll me a d20. Okay, 14. Why couldn't I roll that a second ago? Well, 13 wasn't a terrible roll. That was plus five. Ah, <laughs> uh, gotcha. All right, so one of the Drury servants is slammed into by just a horrific-looking lion rabbit, and the two of them blast backwards into the thorn wall. Damn. And you can't see them anymore, which is going to bring us to... Let's see, that's minus one Drury. Oh. New round. Sorry. So NPCs do things constantly. So you see Yennefer pull her magic in and immediately transform anyone standing near her into a turtle. Hmm. And they all just suck in. Anyone or anything. Is she turning people into turtles or animals? Only people. Oh. Yeah, only people. So she has the power to save using her amazing animal shapes. That's what it is. She's pulling out the big guns. Okay. Any number of willing creatures can be turned into turtles. So, here's the question for you all. Are any of you willing to be turned into a turtle? No. No. <laughs> I think the Drurys and Thomas definitely turn into turtles. Like, snap turtles. I feel like anybody who's not at a fighting level or have any defensive or offensive capabilities should probably do this, but the ones who can are going to be more useful in their human forms. Yeah. I think Meg also turns into a turtle. Of course, this is all saying meta. We have no time to shout, don't turn into a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> don't turtle. Do not Stop turtle. Turtling. You are capable. <laughs> Stop turtling. Silva had thought to put up the rope trick, but people turning into turtles. Yeah, turtles well, don't climb so well. <laughs> So it is certainly something she could do as an escape route for the folks who don't turn into turtles. Did she have to maintain a concentration on that? No, I do not. And it lasts for an hour. So I thought to set up a safe space like that, but it's Yennefer turning them into turtles has averted the need for that right now. The turtles immediately pull into their shells. They cannot be trampled, nor can they be knocked into the thorns. Go Yennefer. That brings us to the new round. So... Miev is going to start casting some spells. We see Riley pull his sword. Jessica and Iris go back to back. Helena and Cass go back to back. And they appear to be, most combatants seem to be prepared to just reverse bowl through this stampede. And that brings us to a new round. So we don't have to go in the same order, but who's got another action can't be the same as the first action. Silpha is going to use the major image spell in a unique way to try to mitigate the amount of wildlife charging through our camp. She's going to do something that she thinks will deter these panicked animals from encroaching on us. She'll throw up a major image that's the perimeter of a, in a 20-foot cube, there is what appears to be a wall of flame surrounding us. Okay, yeah, it is a 20-foot cube, so there's a wall of illusory fire that comes into existence. I think Arcana is the most appropriate skill set for this. The 23. Yeah, it's super successful. A whole bunch of animals veer off and start running away from the castle and away from the camp, not willing to run through fire. We are at two successes to two failures. I'm going to try to snatch up the biggest thing that I can find and toss it back into the thorns. Okay. Anything that looks like it's going to try and go through the fire. Let's go with athletics or nature. Oh, that's great. That's a 24. 
Yeah. So, yeah, you have no problem slamming into a what was probably once a horse. I just want to snatch it up with my talons. and. Yeah, you lift it off the ground and toss it. Toss that horse. In an impressive show. Jalen. Is the owl visible? The owl is not visible, but you could probably tell the direction it is coming from. Is there anyone on the ground who is left without a fighting partner or somebody that, who has their back? I think the answer to that question is Miev. Jalen's going to hop down from Muriel and get to Miev and just basically have her back so she's not defenseless if she's got her back turned to something hostile and she'll shoot at something if there is. Okay, so I think you did your attack roll last time, so I think acrobatics is probably the most effective at this moment. Ooh, 24. 24, yeah, no problem. You pull in back-to-back, fire some shots. Miev is generically tossing little gouts of flame, and things split around you as they charge through the camp. Those things that couldn't stop in time to prevent themselves from charging through the fire. So at round two, we are now at four successes to two failures. I believe we only have one more round of this left. So NPCs are fighting. You see swords slashing all around. Creatures are being diverted, but at sword point, a few of them are being just killed outright because they're not very big and your fighters are quite deadly. Mirkwood and Hanzo, their backs are to each other, and you see an aura of hot and an aura of cold start to intermingle, and a thing that you might describe as a tornado starts to form above you. It's small. Nice. It's a big whirlwind, but it's super intimidating. That's awesome. And creatures start to definitely decide that maybe the giant owl isn't so scary. Yeah, animals should have a pretty powerful instinct not to want to be around a tornado. The noise alone is terrifying. Okay, last round of this. Who's going first? Uh, but the illusory fire is still there, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. For ten minutes. Okay. I have an idea, but it might be a bad one. Do it. Okay. <laughs> Says the DM. She wants to do some kind of faint... F-E-I-N-T, not F-A-I-N-T, where she can coax the stampede to turn one direction away from the people in the camp. And the idea I have to do this is she would get out between the stampede and the camp, and she would pull Fairy Bane long enough for everybody to react to it. What she's hoping is all the people will go one way, and the stampede Mm. will turn the other way, and then she's going to put the switch. She's not planning to use it. Yeah. She wants us direct with fear and but I feel like this is a deception faint move more than intimidation. So I think Lynn partners with you in this as you run forward. Lynn runs up to your back and the two of you pull out your swords at the same time. And the aura is intense because the more swords that are out, the worse it is. Slash better it is. And you see just a wave of panic roll through everything that's been touched by fairy magic, which is literally everything here. Yeah, this is where this could go wrong, because the people are also going to be susceptible to this who are not used to fairy bane. Except Yennefer. Well, no, that's not true. She's definitely touched by fairies now. I think Miev, the three of us, Lynn, might be the only ones here. Or Jessica. Helena and Cass. Helena and Cass might, are going to be yeah. the group who is not affected by this, but everybody else is going to be affected by this. So it's, it's sort of a risky move. I think the people who are in most danger for this are the Evans champions mm. and Laurel, because they are not turtles. Mirkwood and Hanzo. Yeah. The good news is Mirkwood and Hanzo don't seem to give a crap. Okay, great. <laughs> 
about your fairy killing weapon. You're the fairy allergy sword. (laughs) Look at you with your fairy killing thing. I was hoping to roll deception or sleight of hand. I don't think sleight of hand fits. Let's try deception. High natural 20. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So the good news is you pull this out and your companions who have not experienced the fear swords before don't run. They freeze in abject terror. Great. (laughs) The creatures who have not experienced this before do run. And you can put your swords away before the frozen in abject terror turns into flee for their lives. Right. Let me just whip this out. This ploy works. That went perfectly. (laughs) I need one more. I need one more person. I think this fight is going very well. (laughs) Personally, I would like to use my round, if at all possible, to turn around and let out a huge, as intimidating as possible, warning screech at that owl. So I'm trying to hold it till the end. So, Sylphie, if you have a good idea to help with the stampeding people, I mean, otherwise I will land and try to tear something apart. No, I I think that's what I got for now. Then I land and tear something apart. (laughs) I've got a beak and talons that I can attack with. Okay, your giant eagle attack. I will show them that this clearing is just as dangerous as what that owl. Is going to be a plus five. Yes. So that would be a 23. You slide down, and as the last sizable creature, this badly mutated bull covered in armored beetle plates charges into the thing. You just scoop it, and it spins as it lands on the ground and just charges off, not actually hurting anyone. And that is the end of the stampede. Things fall quiet. I mean, I think we need to find a Drury that got pushed into the thorns. Yeah. Before you get there. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> Helena and Cass would think to do that. We also have an owl, potentially, to deal with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, popcorn. Something a-, a bit odd happens. You hear chirping noises, baby bird chirping noises, and spilling into the clearing is these... Baby owls. Oh, no. That appear to have been born into a nest of thorns. Because they are biggins. Think grizzly bear-sized baby owls. (laughs) And on the tips of their wings, they have another set of angrier talons. And huge chompy beaks. And they look hungry. And Mama Owl is going to be real mad when we start... This is exactly the fight that I foreshadowed when we fought the mutated dragon. Like, no, my babies! <laughs> and that is our show. Transform a bunch of baby owl chicks into Thorns mutated owl bears. I am pretty mean. I'm sure they'll do something less violent than I expect, but you'll have to tune in to find out. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review. Will our heroes kill these little owls and upset Mama? What's in the castle? Find out next time on Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey.
right. Okay, really, Nate, we've got to decide if you're going to do one, two, three, go, or three, two, one, go. Does that throw you off every time? Because if I start at three, it's all over, man. <laughs> I'm going to do it in Spanish next time. Yes. Yes. Tres dos. Dos. Uno. <laughs> Allons-y. <laughs> Wait, you can make it like that Monty Python quest of the Holy Grail. Thou shalt not throw until the count of the three. One, uh, one two, two, five, five, five three, three, sir, three. 